There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the ID10 Team Podcast number 1071. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're hanging in there. Uh, hope you're feeling hopeful. Or maybe you just need to be distracted. And this is going to be a wonderful episode. Uh, this is a this is a very feel-good, feel-happy, uh, feel-warm and fuzzy episode. So we'll get to that in a second. But for right now, I would love to talk about the ID10T Community Corkboard events at ID10T.com. Like Matt, who writes... Just want to throw up my humble podcast onto the corkboard. Done. Uh, it's called Unpacked, and it's a comedy travel podcast where I interview my friends about their weirdest and worst experiences overseas. Some episodes are hilarious, some are downright scary, but the conversations have been fascinating and have taken place all over the world. In these times of isolation and locked borders, it's nice to remember times of exploration when airplanes roamed free in the skies. I'm currently releasing the second season of Unpacked, which can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podomatic. That's a great idea for a podcast, Matt. Fantastic. I was just kind of going through old photos because, um, you know, the your phone will go, oh, this is what you were doing a year ago. And Lydia and I were in Italy a year ago. Um, and it's not only crazy that, that, much, that a year has gone by like that, which also makes me hopeful because another year will go by like that, but also just that feeling of, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's right. It was so... Just being in another place, traveling, being on planes, like being, you know, smushed into touristy things where you're, you know, elbow to elbow with other people. And it just that concept now just seems so strange. So um, I, I think your podcast sounds like a wonderful idea for folks to talk about their travel experiences and also think about a time when we will be able to travel again and we will. So uh, thank you, Matt, for submitting and to anyone else, events at ID10T.com for that info. Uh, also, if you head to ID10T.com, we have some uh, new shirts, some Walking Dead stuff that we put up now. If you want to go uh, take a peek, that is ID10T.com. But enough about that stuff. Let's talk about this episode. Oh, this episode was very, very, this episode was very, very special to me because... It's Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen together. Uh, we did via video conferencing, obviously. I mean, both of them are... You're going to listen to this episode and you're like, okay, I would like them to be my bonus parents. I would like an extra set of parents and I would like Ted and Mary to be those that extra set of parents. But they're just such lovely human beings. And also, you know, like we did it via video and then just... 
you know, they've been married a long time and then just seeing the love and adoration and respect that they have for each other. It, it, it's so, you know, as a married person, I just, I love seeing it and I love, um, I don't know, it was just, it was very inspirational and aspirational at the same time. Uh, you know, I got some, you know, Ted told some great cheer stories that I'd never heard before. Mary Steenburgen told, uh, talked about uh, Parenthood and Time After Time, which are two of, you know, films in my sort of like all-time favorite film pantheon. And, uh, but, but they were just at the core of it, really nice, fun, funny people to talk to. And I really greatly appreciated the time. And this, this, this conversation will always be very special to me uh, for the rest of my life. So I thank them for being on the podcast. Um, Mary is in Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which is airing on NBC. Uh, Ted is in The Good Place, which is streaming on Hulu and Netflix, and also Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is streaming on HBO. So here we go with the ID10T podcast number 1071 with the absolutely wonderful Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen. God, how are you doing? We're uh, we're well. We really are. We're uh, working very hard at being well. We have a few challenges here and there, but really, to be honest, we're we're doing great. How about you? I mean, we're we're very very fortunate. We have, you know, everything yeah. we need. Yeah. We're still able to work remotely. I mean, I'm still able to work somewhat remotely for some stuff, and uh, and we've been. We got a puppy about two weeks before everything. Uh, it's the, be- the absolute best time to have, <laughs> to have uh, a puppy. I think my our son our son has one too. And, so did you just get it? Like he like got months he before, got it right? a couple of months before the great pause, you know, and um, <laughs> and uh, he so he's. And he was supposed to be, he's a writer, director. He was supposed to be do, going into pre-production on a movie, but instead he's just training his puppy. And loving, loving, loving. Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good, yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. What Did kind of... A, I was, we just, were just about to ask each other the same question. Yeah, he, he got a little rescue mutt uh, from nice. this really great place called Lovely a Rescue, and he's just like a little... He's he's a small dog with a very big dog attitude. <laughs> I mean, literally, he's about like yeah. Know, his like his name is Redford because he has very blue human eyes, and because my son is friends with Robert Redford, so he named him. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is fun for all of us. You know? I mean, that's hey, fantastic. Hey, I named my dog after you. You did what? Yeah. <laughs> Did Robert Redford know that the pup has been named after him? Probably not. I don't know. He might. He, he, he will now. He, he's, uh, he's very good-natured. So, yeah, but he has very blue Redford-like eyes. So I think that was the, That's the thought. That's sweet. 
We yeah. have the opposite. We have a we have a dog that's going to be very large that does not realize how big he is. He's going to end Ooh. up being like 130 pounds. <laughs> so, yeah. What is what kind of dog? It's called an otterhound. They're, I don't know that. Yeah, they're like a cousin of an Irish wolfhound. They're very friendly and. You know, they were used to hunt otters, you know, like a century ago in England and Ireland. And, you know, the otter hunting game just ain't what it used to be. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they're out, of, they're out of a job. And so there just aren't that many of them left. And yeah. uh, my wife got really excited about the idea of like, we have to save this breed of dog. And so now we have this massive, he's like 50 pounds and he's only four months old. So, ooh. <laughs> Big tail. I hope tail? he wanders through during this uh, little chat so I can see him. Oh, no. He's, uh, my wife has him downstairs. She's uh, been, we take him on several walks a day because <laughs> between 7.30 and 9 every night, he turns into basically a really poorly behaved child who's tired and he just starts throwing his body around and freaking out and <laughs> jumping on you and it's like he's overtired and then all of a sudden he just passes out so yeah. we're trying to tire him out as much as possible during the day that's um, so cool yeah so i this was so nice of you guys to do this especially together it's not like we're otherwise engaged so yeah. we're quite <laughs> quite happy we've been looking forward to it that's really nice. What are you what are you doing with your time? Like what is what are you are you are you reading? Are you gardening? Are you just sitting in chairs and staring at each other all day? What do you do? We do an inordinate amount of cleaning mm -hmm. and dishes yeah. and meal times are very exciting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we <laughs> we try to we try to be uh we promised we'd take a walk after we talked to you. So uh, we're probably batting about 60% getting out every day and exercising, trying to keep doing that. Uh, we do some podcasts. I'm just, I, I think the first three weeks, I was like, I, I was fearful of thinking of the future. I just wanted to be ultra focused on this moment. I couldn't let myself think further now i think i'm beginning we're beginning to be able to hold both you know being here present in this moment and realizing there will be an end to this and you know continuing doing some of the stuff that we will do once this is all over what about you um yeah we're the the meal thing is huge we do <laughs> we the second we eat a meal we start planning the next meal with great gusto. So that's happening. And then, and more cooking. I like to bake. I like anything to make anything with chocolate chips in it. So every, every lunch and every dinner ends with some sort of muffin chocolate chips. <laughs> and I try, I put zucchini in a lot of things like zucchini chocolate chip muffins. Which makes it healthy. Like that's healthy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so there's a lot of that. And then uh, I've been writing music quite a bit um, with, um, I. that's, my other job and I, uh, I write a lot with people in Nashville. So, um, it, it turns out it's actually kind of more efficient because if we're together, those same people that, that I write with 
we'll talk for about an hour before mm-hmm. we'll ever, before the guitars and piano, anything gets kind of played. And this way, it seems like we're a little bit more focused and it's been, fun. that's been amazing. That's been really fun to write. And, and you don't feel, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who feel, and to myself, and myself included, who I think because of the anxiety and the uncertainty and it, that it's been difficult to be creative because a lot of your creative energy is really, you know, diverted to what's tomorrow going to bring and when am I going to have yeah. to, you know, like, are we going to run out of X, Y, or Z or what's, what, oh, they're, they're, they're changing the rules again, you know? So have yeah. you found, have you, you've been able to push that all aside and actually be creative or even more creative? And if so, how? You have. With you have, music, yeah. I have. I don't, I don't know what it would be like if I was trying to um, think, about acting. think about acting or memorize lines or any of that stuff. I guess it would feel sort of futile, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but the music, I, which I didn't know, I didn't know if, it w- if I would have it in me to kind of push any fear and stuff like that out of me and focus on being creative. But the second we started um, uh, writing, it was like, this is the best way for me to spend my time right now. You know, it felt so good. And um, we were writing, there was, there were four of us. I was writing for a movie, but there but uh, there were four of us, John Osborne of Brothers Osborne and Lucy Silvis, his wife, and uh, a really great songwriter, Troy Burgess. And they're all in Nashville and Lucy and John are in one house and Troy's in another. And, and, um, and then I'm here. And it, it just, um, I was so filled with joy at seeing these amazing friends and musicians and and at doing something <laughs> besides baking chocolate chip muffins. <laughs> so it came, it came out real nice. So it was good. It was good. I, mean, I think we're having, you know, it's always so hard because you turn on the news and it, it, this becomes a disclaimer to how much fun we are having being together mm-hmm. and having this time that we wouldn't have taken this degree of a long time, I don't think, because we were busy and we had all the trappings of, you know, work and this and that, that are, that are wonderful, but they're distracting. Um, so we, it's, it's almost, it's not embarrassing. The truth is we're having the best time being together, but it's, it's hard because you also are not an idiot. You realize that the majority of the world is suffering and uh, people are having to work and by doing so, getting sick and there are people who are you know the outrageously courageous people who are allowing us people like us to stay home you do it is a weird combination of uh, anyway this is me there is a weird guilt to it i know what you mean where it's like oh we're actually you know we we actually find moments of nice times they're like am i allowed to feel this way because other people don't have a choice and they're just no you know, steeped in, in, in such suffering. Yeah. There is a bit of survivor's guilt to it, I think, but yeah. I don't think anyone would begrudge anyone for how no. they're getting through it. Cause everyone's in a similar boat. No, I agree. But I, and I do think that we are all, my hope would be, we're all learning lessons that, you know, science matters. 
you know, <laughs> science has actually had a back seat, you know, recently. And, uh, and that that same science that is saving our ass when we go to the hospital uh, or when we find uh, the medications that are going to cure us all, it's the same science that's talking about climate change and all these other things in life. So I hope we learn that. I also hope that we learn that the social justice component of our uh, society needs real work because those people who we're singing praises and, uh, and calling them heroes um, are the same people that are dying more than we are. You know, the African-Americans are dying at a higher rate than we are. The poverty counts for, uh, for how well you will survive this or not. Um, so anyway, I did, it feels like I don't think I will come out the other side of this without having to take some sort of both uh, we were talking about financial action, but also, you know, working very hard to make sure that this is not forgotten, that this was a moment that was a learning moment as well. I really I, I do hope so. And I hope part of it is also the um, the sort of the t- taking away balance, you know, like learning that while it's easy to get distracted with our own little selfish bubbles and our careers yeah. and all this, you know, like what someone said on social, you know, Instagram or whatever. I was like, yeah, I don't know. None of that. Maybe the important thing is, is that we survive and we support each other and we focus on life stuff and not, yeah. you know, like the superfluous yeah. things that are really just a distraction. You know, I hope people come away more compassionately than me too. When we, than when we all went into this, maybe this is nature being like, chill out for a second, focus on what's important and, you know, try, try to be less dicks to each other when you guys get out of the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And also really question, you know, um, the waste that we've all kind of been a part of in terms of um, our planet and, and the way we've really taken it for granted, you know, and it's, it's like, um, it, I don't know what it's like there, but here it's, it, it is honestly like, um, the earth is taking a big breath or something. And it feels, um, I, of course we can't pause everything in business and in, and in our economy, nor should we, but, um, it would be nice if, if part of what we do next included um, some sort of sense of leaving this place a little bit better for everybody else. And then you pick up the paper and you read, well, the paper on my phone, paper, <laughs> and, you, and, and, you, and you realize, you know, that the people who don't feel that way, like we're talking right now, are very busy, you know, you know taking the EPA apart, you know, and, so anyway, la-di-da. Well, I just, you know, again, it. The, I've noticed that the, I don't know where, where, I'm in LA. I'm not sure where y'all are. Oh, I was thinking, do you not, so I thought you lived in Nashville or do, don't you have some connection to Nashville or did I get that wrong? No, nah, I've done stand-up there a bunch, but I don't, oh. I don't live there. I, I was okay. born in Memphis, but. Uh, oh, maybe Memphis that's right. Nashville are very different. I mean. 
Yes, I know. They, uh, well, I'm from Arkansas, so West Memphis is in Arkansas. Oh my God! Yeah, West Memphis, Arkansas, right? Yeah. Puzzlingly, West Memphis is not in Tennessee at all. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, we Memphis, used yeah, go we ahead. used to go to our concerts in Memphis. That was our big connection to it. Is that when I got old enough for, to drive to a concert, we always drove to Memphis because nobody came to Little Rock back then oh yeah well you yeah then little rock let's see uh if you were there in the well, i don't know you you were probably already work you were already working by then but in the early 80s they opened mud island in memphis which was right on the river which was basically right. a deposit that they were like let's make this a concert venue and so you know everyone would come in from mississippi and arkansas because t- memphis is like right there um, yeah and uh it's I love Memphis. It's a wonderful town, but it's just like Nashville is its whole, this whole little like creative bubble that is. uh, We love Nashville. We're crazy for it. We have so many friends there and it's such a, it is, it's such a creative um, city and it's, it's really, it's really a city of poets. I mean, the, the focus on writing and, um, and it's a city where, people root for each other, you know, in the music business there. It's like there's a a sweetness to it all, you know. Well, there's so much collaboration. You're always writing with other people. Yeah, it's just, uh, we love it. It's, I hope, before too long, I will actually get to, get to go back. Yeah. Go back. Well, well, what you were saying about the environment, it's interesting because it, especially with all the rains we had in Los Angeles, yeah. The air is like high def, crystal clear. Yeah, I said to my wife last night, it, "Should we all like one month a year just not leave our homes?" <laughs> <laughs> I know. Reset, I just know. to like reset. I mean, I know a lot of people would have to work in that time, but I go, but just to sort of reset the air, like just to kind of let the animals like come back out and sniff yeah. the ground, and then you know before we go back out, you know, one month a yeah. year would that be? Would that be terrible? Um, but I, I think one of the things that I'm so fascinated by both of you by is that you have these parallel careers where you started working at a very around the same time and then just kind of never stopped. Like in a business, and I think it kind of goes with what we're talking about too, sort of like you have no control in the entertainment business, very little control over what happens. <laughs> and in a, in a very volatile business where things change and you don't, you might work, you might not work. I would love to sort of understand what it is that you both started working in the seventies and then like just continued to do like cool thing after cool thing after cool thing. Is it, is it a confidence? Is it a, is it just kind of like going with the moment? Is it like, what, what is the philosophy that has kind of gotten you through all that time and all those amazing jobs in an incredibly difficult business. Wow, I, I don't, I, I don't think we know, <laughs> really. <laughs> oh, and we, and so you end up just saying thank you and uh, thank you, thank you, and being full of gratitude. But I will say that both of us, I'll speak for myself. I love going to work. I love acting. I like acting as much as I as I did when I, the light bulb went off, you know, in college and I went, Oh my God, what is this? I love it. Um, I love driving through studio gates. I, I turn right on, you know, James Stewart Boulevard and cross over Gregory Peck street and 
you know, it just brings me such joy to work with crews and writers and directors. And I, and I love the community of actors. Um, I think it is a noble profession or it can be, you know, uh, so I really, really, really love my job. That, I think, helps a little bit to longevity because, you know, you're, you're enjoying it. You're, uh, well, I don't know. That's the one thing I can say is really true for me. I love acting and everything that goes into it. Um, yeah. Barry, what do you and think? Otherwise, and <laughs> oh, one, one other thing. No, I'm sorry. Um, is somewhere down, I mean, I got lucky and blessed and cheers, you know, started my career in this very elegant way. But somewhere down the line, I, I realized, don't worry about the size of the part. Don't worry about anything except don't worry about the money. Worry about finding the most creative people in the room and then asking them very nicely, can I be part of whatever you're doing? <laughs> because if you, if, you, if you go with that, look for creative souls to play with, you're likely, more likely to be in something authentic, which then generates more work. Well, I agree with everything you said. I think part of the thing I would add is that I only did two movies where I only had to think of myself before I started having children. (laughs) Well, actually, maybe three movies. I did three movies, and then I had uh, around the same time that thing was being built in Memphis, I started, you know, I had my first... um, beloved daughter and and then my son and so my career wasn't just about me anymore it was about uh what's the best way to support our life but still be able to be with my kids Mm -hmm. so so that meant um these these lead things where you go away for three months you know aren't quite as easy anymore, you know, and, um, and, and it kind of was okay until they were in like fifth grade. And then a kid will look at you and go, I don't want to go, you know, to Tasmania. But I'm working with Johnny Depp. You I know, don't I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go because I'm on a sports team or I'm, you know, so, so then it became about trying to find the Gilbert grapes and things like that, that were small parts, but that were um, super creative. creative and interesting and, uh, and that kept my sort of foot in the door in terms of the business. And that was challenging because it's, it's especially for women who, you know, uh, especially as I was coming up, it's very difficult to age and be a woman in the business, but to, but um, then to also be balancing at that time as a single mom, how, how do I work, not be away from my kids and still stay in the business? You know, right. that, that became my big challenge. And, and some years I did better than others. I mean, it, I wasn't, I didn't work as consistently as he has. And um, I did lots of little, little parts and little movies, but that were fun roles for me. And so, um, and I think the other thing that's true of us and well, 
what I, one of the millions of things I love about him is that he doesn't have that actor's, it's all about the next next job. I mean, he really does love to work, but there's also this kind of, um, I don't know if it's a confidence or a belief that that somehow it'll be there, that he he loves lots of other things in life too, you know, and in his case, particularly um, Oceana, which is the ocean advocacy group that he spent so much of his life um, and time and money working for. So I don't know. I, I kind of love that because it's actors egos can be really boring. Oh my God. And, yes, of course. And especially <laughs> like if, if you're constantly in pursuit of ego things, that's a pretty empty pursuit. And there's, there's no, cause the other question that I had, and this, you sort of answered it is, look, you both have had so much success, but that doesn't always, rarely does that alone make people happy. You know what I mean? Like, but everything you're saying is about the balance of something bigger than yourself, like having kids or working on a project for the environment or, you know, those sort of take you out. And that's what I was talking about earlier about this whole thing that we're now is will this allow some people to not focus on that ego stuff because we just can't at the moment, you know, we have to focus on the culture and our society and the bigger picture and the bigger ideas. And I kind of think when things like that take front and center, it's probably a little bit healthier for our egos, (laughs) which just want to be ahead all the time. Challenging. I mean, just to keep things in balance, one of our favorite, at least one of your favorite stories is how, we took a family trip uh, years ago, twenty about 20 years ago, down the Amazon. And it was with a group of friends and family. And there was no one on the river that we saw except river angels who had never seen, you know, they saw one boatload of people a, a year, maybe. So for about three weeks, no one recognized me. And Mary saw me start to get faint, <laughs> lack of oxygen and confused and a little depressed. It was kind of pathetic, to be honest. <laughs> so let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Let's... Cheers, cheers was a big show, you guys. I thought it was, I thought everyone got it. Is that not? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is literally in my whatever it is, 27 years or whatever of life with Ted Danson, it's the only place we have ever been that everyone didn't recognize him. And I'm not was, going back. Was in I am the deepest, darkest Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Ted shows up with a bunch of uh, DVD players and just like, yeah. you know, here's, so, yeah, here's all the years uh, on DVD. I'm going to come back. So don't don't let us fool you too much talking about our lack of ego and our yeah. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery, code Wondery. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, 
Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. It is, it is rare, though. Like, it's, you know, most shows... Cheers, re, I, I watched the entire series on Netflix last year. You did? I did. Well, I wake up a lot. I usually wake up at like 3 or 4 in the morning for a couple hours. And so I noticed Cheers was on Netflix and I was like, oh my God, I, I haven't watched the older seasons in a long time. So I watched from episode one and it was so interesting to watch that show having worked in television for 25 years now because I see all these things that I didn't notice before. Like, holy shit, all the characters are super locked in episode one, which is yeah. Yeah. an incredibly uncommon thing. Yeah, Probably It takes like, if a show's lucky enough to be on for two or three seasons, it's like by the third season, everyone kind of figures it out. But oh my God, the first season of that show, like everyone is is just sprinting. And it it's incredible. It's an incredible feat to watch. Did yeah. it feel that way? I, 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 not to us, because I think we were just also, I can't believe we got a job. I can't believe, you know, I think some of, I think we knew the pedigree of uh, Les and Glenn Charles, the brothers who were the writer, head writers of Cheers, and Jimmy Burroughs, who went on to direct everything, everything. known to man. You know, <laughs> literally, there's a sitcom that he hasn't directed. But anyway, we realized that we were in amazing hands. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I think you. It's, it wasn't like we weren't grateful and <clears throat> all of that, but most of us had never done television to that extent. So we just thought, oh, this is what happens when you do TV. It was only later in life that we that it dawned on us how lucky and blessed we were. But wasn't uh, wasn't Cliff Clavin a different character in John? Oh, John, John Ratzenberg came in to audition for, I don't remember who, another part, maybe George's part. And they went, uh, Oh, um, okay, thank you. And he went, started to go and he said, hey, do you guys have a character like the bar know-it-all? Because all bars have know-it-alls. And he started to just riff. <laughs> I think I'm getting the story right. And they just watched him go off on, you know, the the, the no, pompous know-it-all that he, he his character kind of, you know. That's fantastic. That right. yeah. Isn't that a cool story? He, he, he I love created knowing. his own part. Yeah. yeah. I especially imagine when people would go up to him in real life and go, oh, you don't talk like, like that, that character though of Cliff Clavin is so locked in culturally. <laughs> oh, he makes me laugh so hard yeah. when I go back and watch. Amazing. He, he makes me laugh more than anyone. But that show also survived. It was just that show had such an elegance to the comedy because even, even after uh, Shelley Long left and Kirstie Alley came in, it's like that could have killed a lot of shows when like sure. a major, and somehow the show like locked into this whole other thing that was incredible. Like it, 
is that was that just a testament to the kind of symphony of everyone just like everyone was just firing on all cylinders i don't know what it was there was just a magic that was happening yeah i mean they they cast well you know to begin with they cast really interesting people and then there was something in the writing was spectacular and all of that but then there was something that if you brought a character maybe not even a a major change like uh Woody for uh, Nick Colasanto, you know, Woody for the coach part. Coach died in yeah. the third year. Or Kirstie Alley. But even just characters that had an arc for a year or something. If the bar, the characters in the bar embraced that new character, it was like then the world embraced them. It was the bar as a group became this this very powerful kind of entity in itself. I, I often think that you can almost show a still of the bar and play the Cheers theme song, and you could have had another couple of seasons. <laughs> <laughs> There's something that's so therapeutic for me. Maybe it's just because of the age I was when that show came on, but I'm pretty sure... If I remember correctly, I think it was Thursday nights, and I think it was Cheers, and then Taxi, maybe? Taxi, uh, for a year or two, there was, yeah. I can't remember who came first, but yes. Ta- yeah. Taxi, I think, was late 70, like 77 or 78 or something. I think we overlapped by a year. By like a year or something. Yeah. And the, yeah. the, those two theme songs... Just, I feel so calm when I hear them because I was a, you know, I was a kid, and, yeah. but I loved comedy, and uh, and it all like it just all came back so much being able to relive it on Netflix. But the show, like the arc from like all the seasons, it really holds up from start to finish in a surprising yeah. way that a lot of things from that era don't necessarily hold up. It really holds up because I think ultimately yeah. it's just about people and relationships. Like it's that that's ultimately yeah. what it is. And very funny, very funny writers, man. Yeah. I, I was such a fan that, um, and I never, I never did this with anything else because I would have been too shy, but I got um, Shelley Long's number. I chickened out to call him, but I, I called her and just told her, just like fanned out about how brilliant I thought it was because that kind of comedic acting that they all did is like to me it's like ice skating it looks effortless and it's just breezy and beautiful and like they're throwing it away but it is so precise and and it it was that mystical thing of of the perfect actors and the perfect writers in concert with each other and as an actor, I was just blown away by it every Thursday night. I just thought they were, you know, extraordinary. Yeah, and also television is so different now because I didn't realize this, but the, the ratings for Cheers were not amazing the first season, but they... No. S- we were dead last one week. <laughs> we, were, we were 70 out of 70 shows. That shit would not fly now for more no. than no. Like two episodes. Yeah. No. We, we used to say that Brandon Tartikoff was this, uh, who was the head of NBC programming. Yeah. And we got there that he was a genius for having, you know, kept cheers in there. And, you know, and he would confess, we, we had nothing to replace it with. We would have replaced it in a shot. 
<laughs> I mean, when you think back that, you know, probably, I don't know what the actual number was, but it was probably like 30 or 40 million people a week watch that show. I know. And there's just no real analogous anything for that anymore. It was just such a special moment in time. Yeah, three networks. Yeah. As opposed to, what, 100 something. I mean, it's like, if you count all the streamers now, like, I, it's there's an infinite... You know, we're sort of burdened by infinite choice now. I don't know really yeah. what's what anymore. But besides Cheers, Mary, you're in two things that I watch very regularly, like every year. I watch time after time every year because I think it is just such a beautiful movie. It's perfect. Um, and I watch Parenthood about once a year. And specifically... Your the relationship that you have with Steve Martin with, with his character, where he's the worrier and he hates roller coasters, but you love the <laughs> roller coaster. That is so much my wife and I. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, where I just I'm very rigid. I need everything a very particular way, and I'm a worrier. And she's just like, just go with it, you know. That that movie is just such a is such a beautiful another timeless movie. It's such a beautiful slice of. Um, I don't know. It's just, the writing is great. Everyone in the movie is fantastic. Was that, was that a particularly special piece for you as well? Or, you know, it's just, yeah. I mean that, that group of people, it was such an, a mind blowing cast and everybody uh, was there to make, you know, to, you felt like you were making a special movie and it, and Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's Arthur. Who's Arthur. very hard of hearing. He's 14, and he's literally hearing things. Oh, that's sweet. Um, I know, he's super sweet. Yeah. Um, you know, that uh, that was written by Lil Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who yeah. between them, I think, had like six children, and they were fairly young. I think one of them had triplets. And oh, wow. So they, so they really knew what they were talking about the, of the the beauty and the horrors of parenthood you know and uh um it, and then of course ron howard uh had his kids and i was there with my two kids and they were all being homeschooled in a little trailer on the set and during that movie my dad who'd been um uh, struggling with lung cancer. I, I had been with him for a while and then he seemed to be doing okay. And I went back to shoot one scene and got the call right after I got back to uh, Florida where we were shooting to come back to Little Rock. And my dad passed away during parenthood. And the, the love that those people showed me, um, because it was just, you know, my dad was just the coolest guy. He was a freight train conductor and the sweetest, most lovely man in the world. And it was a massive, you know, loss. And um, and those people, you know, even Steve, who who professes to be and is so, so kind of socially shy or whatever, everybody embraced me with such... Um, care and love and I so I whenever I think of the movie I just think of, that it really was like family you know and um, and we were dealing 
with, you know, both children and the loss of parents and all those things. It was one of my three films I did with Jason Robarts, who I adored. And uh, I did Philadelphia um, and also Melvin and Howard Mm -hmm. with Jason. And he was just a really dear friend. So there's so many things about it. And that I really love. Oh, just some great lines. I mean, that scene you're talking about, where we're talking about the the merry-go-round versus the roller coaster, and and this his grandmother, Steve's grandmother, comes in and tells us why she thinks the merry-go-round is so boring and the roller coaster is so great, and then and then she leaves the room and he says something, you know derogatory about it and I say you know well I think your grandmother's brilliant and he goes well if she's so brilliant why she's sitting in our neighbor's car oh yeah there was a great line that there's Jason, a robots line yeah it's one of the greatest yes. one of oh, the most poignant you never spike the ball you never <laughs> cross the finish line you know because he's trying to say to Steve like what do you like? There, there's you, there's no point in worrying because you, you you're know. never gonna not be a parent now. You're screwed. You know, it's like your aunt Ed, Edna's ass. It goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it's you know it's so true. It's yeah. like you know it's like doesn't matter how old you are. You are still a parent once you've had them, and your heart belongs to them you know and it also like there were things in there that i hadn't really seen in like a you know before that you know fa- family comment i don't know it was just there were some very real moments even jace robart saying like i never should have had four you know like even just admitting like you know the that everyone i don't know that life is basically never what you think it's going to be so you better really just enjoy it yeah for whatever it is because you can't control, you can't, like, every single character went through something where they were dealt a hand either by fate or by choice. Right. That they just had to deal with. And that's just what life is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned time after time. Time after time is what gave me my children because I married Malcolm McDowell. And my, that's, he's um, still my friend and, and um, my kid's dad. And so that movie uh, was so special uh, uh, because I, re- I really uh, appreciated Nicholas Meyer and his great script and that whole experience. And of course, um, Malcolm, who's amazing in it. Yeah. And David Warner too, who's a David Warner. Oh, he's so good. He used to hold a knife to my throat. And then when Nicholas would say cut, David would go, sorry, love, sorry. Did I hurt you? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, David, stop apologizing for being Jack the Ripper. (laughs) (laughs) Literally after every day. Well, it's also like in the context of that movie too, I think what a lot of people don't know is that in in the 70s, it's like crime, like the, the world was really becoming this place where they were 
looking ahead like 15 years and assuming like, well, I think that America is probably going to be under martial law by yeah. 1995. Yeah. Because the crime rates had skyrocketed, drugs, like it was crazy. And so the idea that H.G. Wells thinks the future is a utopia and then Jack the Ripper says, no, this isn't your world. This is mine. This is my world. Yeah. Yeah. But like to, to wow. know that about what was going on socially at the time just makes the movie like really uh, chilling at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as someone who's been married for, I'm sure you get asked all this all the time and I apologize, but it's your fault for having a beautiful marriage. From someone who's been married for four years, um, <laughs> but uh, just uh, what, what, what do we do to keep the spark alive? Like we're still in honeymoon period as far as I'm concerned. I'm very happy to be in quarantine with my wife. We love a lot of the same things. She's my favorite person. But h- how do you sort of, you know, like it, uh, relationships have a natural ebb and a flow. And so how do you keep it all fresh and happy? I can't even just even tell the way you're sitting next to each other now. It's a very, you're just kind of leaning on each other. It's very unconsciously sweet. So how, how, do, you, how do you keep that, how do you keep that going? I'm looking for a hundred irreverent things to say, but, uh, but what you just said, you know, about you and your wife certainly is the foundation. You, you know, she's your best buddy and you love spending time with her. I mean, that, that goes a long, long way and you do work for stuff and all of that, but we laugh a lot. I was going to say the fact that the guy makes me laugh every single and day the of girl my life makes me laugh. is is really huge. And yes, and he's generous with his laughter. I make him laugh, and it's it's like that's the, uh, there are some comic actors that they're fabulous about making everybody laugh, but they don't laugh back, you know. And mm-hmm. there's and Ted's generous in general as a human being. So it's just that, that delight in finding the funny in life is huge. And we really, really like each other. Yeah. I really really, like who Mary is. I like how she does woman. I think she, you're just amazing. And you are, uh, and we compliment each other. I mean, I may be in socially, I'm a little more (laughs) glib than you are. You're a little more, uh, shy and stuff like that, but you're so I'm kind of surfacey kind. Mary is deep kind. Mary is the kind of kind that changes people's lives. You know mm-hmm. that uh, people come to you in need, and you are there in a way that's really meaningful. Uh, Very yeah. sweet. Not true about yourself, but anyway. No, I'm. <laughs> I'm shallow. I, shallow work. You're that's, only, that's you're only thing, shallow. You're only shallow about your hair. Yeah, we both love the same hair products. That will also go a long way. Uh, it's <laughs> like the the most challenging parts of this quarantine have been the three haircuts um, that I have given him, and which are pretty really good. good. And, good. Uh, but it was dodgy. I mean, it was like. Yeah. I can yeah. feel my palms sweating and um <laughs> <laughs> one one a chew snip ah uh, well the good news is we're not we don't have to go anywhere for the next I know, yeah, right, right. I know. that's so, what dawned on me is like what who cares? I hadn't even thought about that until like a week ago where I was like, Oh my god, I 
this is not the this is not the worst thing that could ever happen to a person at all. So I don't mean to suggest like, oh, poor me. But I realize like, I don't think I'm gonna have a haircut for at least four, six more weeks. And it's already been like six <laughs> weeks. And I'm now starting to get like, I'm starting to feel like uh, Jeff Daniels character and Dumb and Dumber, where it's just <laughs> this, this like weird, like this is what it does all the time. So, can, you, can you put your hat back? Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Un- yeah. It's very upsetting. Everything's going on up here is very upsetting. I I wish I could come over there and help you out, but sadly, my wife offered. She's like, "Do you want me to cut it for you?" I'm like, "No, no." She's not. Uh, she was willing to try, but yeah, I just don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. And we're going to take another quick break to thank this sponsor for this part of the ID10T podcast, Squarespace. Longtime sponsor of the podcast. I'm I'm sure you know, but just in case you don't, you uh, can create pretty much any kind of digital presence you want using Squarespace. Build an incredible website. You have an idea. You want to manifest it uh, on the internet. You want to showcase. You just want to showcase some work. You want to publish or blog some content. You want to sell products or services of of all kinds. You want to promote your physical or online business or announce an event or a special project. Now, Squarespace is going to give you the ability to create email campaigns, all right? You can create your own domain. You can own it. You can create and promote your business all using Squarespace. Beautiful templates created by world-class designers and powerful e-commerce. It's going to let you sell everything online and everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. 24-7 award-winning customer support. Doesn't matter what you do, you can create something and Squarespace is going to be there to help you create it. So um, head to squarespace.com ID10T for a free trial when you're ready to launch Use the offer code ID10T to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the ID10T podcast, which now resumes. Are you guys watching anything right now? Do you do you do you like a lot of the same entertainment? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, yes, we do. I will every once in a while need to uh, go off by myself and watch a black and white. Uh, you know. Turner classic movie, uh, old war movie or something, yeah. I, you know, an old British war movie. Here, he finds very them happy. really comforting. Very comforting. He, <laughs> he loves them. He, you also can watch people being very yes. bloody and blown up. And I can't, yeah. I, even though I've been in the business my whole life and I've even killed people, you know, uh, on screen, I can't stand uh, yeah. really watching it. So um, happy to make it uh, if that's what people enjoy, but but it's not my deal. So, um, but yeah, we do. We're, we watch we're, a lot. We've been watching. Actually, we're catching up. We're catching stuff. up on things like Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh yeah. Oh, oh and, how good is that? And it's um, amazing. Um, really enjoying my friend January Jones who was in uh, last man on earth with me. And um, I think she knew by my silence whenever everybody was talking about Mad Men that I actually hadn't somehow (laughs) seen it, (laughs) but now I'm just so proud of her uh, belatedly and, uh, and I think, think they're all so fabulous and, and And love the design, but We loved uh, Tales from the Loop. 
Oh my god! Oh, yeah, we just started watching that. Yeah, we just started yeah. watching that. Oh my gosh! It gets better and better. And Mary's son, Charlie, directed episode uh, six. episode six. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they're all they're all really good. Jodie Foster directed the last episode, which is also spectacular. But they're they're the speaking of production design and just in, incredible. Uh, beautiful concepts that came from uh, paintings of a Swedish painter. And they, I think that's right. Um, And um, they just, it just made for this really lovely uh, series. It's it's a little strange. We started watching it pretty early on in the, you know, COVID-19 shutdown and Mm -hmm. which was very eerie for all of us, especially in the beginning. And that is very eerie, you know, Tales yeah. from the Loop. It was a little bit like... Yeah. Uh, um, well, what's also weird is that I did four years on a TV series about well, how nobody, only seven people were left on the earth because of a virus in the year 2020. And that was Last Man on Earth. Right. So that, that was, um, we we did a a, a Zoom kind of, Thing the other night with Will Forte and some of the other actors on there. And um, the number one question was, is Will psychic or something? Will was legendary. Will's legendary for always having like the most random, like out there ideas. So maybe, maybe he is pulling some sort of a weird psychic. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's not a creative center. He's just weirdly psychic (laughs) into the future, you know? Whatever he is, he's one of my favorite people on the planet. He's just, uh, he's so, he's just such a good friend. He's lovely. He's been to Arkansas to my aunt's. 92nd and 93rd birthdays. He's been twice. On his own dime. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't pay him. That is fantastic. Did you, did you invite him or was he like, I'm going to yeah. come? No, I, I invited him, but I thought there's no way he's going to come. But he came, Kristen Paul <laughs> came. Um, you know, we, ha- we went um, to my sister's house on the Little Red River and went fishing and... Um, John Solomon, if you know him, that's Will's like writing partner. They all, they all came to Arkansas and it was like, oh man, that made me love them forever. We had such a good time. That is fantastic. That sounds like a very Will Forte thing to do, to show yeah. up at your aunt's 92nd and 93rd <laughs> birthday yeah. party. Yeah. But I think there's that sort of, um, that sort of appreciation for like, fun experiences, new experiences, different experiences. I think that really fuels creativity because I think what's behind it is like a curiosity and an appreciation for life. And I think that's, that kind of helps keep the machine going, you know, like that helps fuel creativity. Yeah. I think Mary's better than that. She, she was always the one we kind of met, not met, but we've, it's true. It seems a little, whatever. I won't go into the whole story, but we fell in love on a little canoe trip, about a four-hour canoe trip, and, you know, went up friends and came down 
you know, smitten, or at least I'll speak for myself. And part of it was the effortlessness. If you ever try to canoe with somebody, you can tell if you're going to be a good partner or not, you know. <laughs> and uh, Mary was always wanting to go around the next bend in the river. And I was, I'm always a little more cautious, but I'm smart enough to go, yes. <laughs> but that's our life together. She's always going, oh, come on, let's go around this next bend. But, I, but you know, Maybe it's too far. No, it'll be fine. You know, I'm kind of what you said you were. I'm a little more, I'm like the rag tail to her kite. That is so nice. No, it's true. You, if I, you, if I you're the one there, that got arrested out. with Jane Fonda this year. Yeah, I did. Yeah, in the steps of the Capitol. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Want to see my tattoo? Uh, did you get some prison tats? Did you get some prison tats? <laughs> It's, oh, it's, I wish. I really of, wish. It's kind that of comes out of prison with a teardrop tattoo. I, that like, would be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the guy was in my space, and he had never seen tears, and I can't tolerate that kind of shit when I'm in the lockup. <laughs> it's kind of the champagne of arrests. You know, the Capitol Police are very, uh, very <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I know, I know. But still, you know what? You still... Uh, hey, you, still you know, it focused me. It did yeah. focus me, you know, for that brief four hours, you had no control of your life. You were, even if it was all very nice and polite, you didn't get to move your hands the way you wanted because you had little wrist cuffs on and you, you know, you couldn't go do anything without asking, you know, it was, uh, anyway. Yeah, there are probably a couple hours you're like, oh, wait, this is real. I didn't think this was a, yeah, yeah. No, I thought we were, so we didn't, yeah, don't you know? Cheers, cheers, man. Cheers. Come on, cheers. Take, come on. Ted, Ted, take this off. Ted Danson's going to attack a cop. Are you fucking kidding me? No. Oh, come on. Come on. I'll, I'll sign an autograph, please. Take this off. <laughs> I'd love to sign an autograph, but ooh, if you could just. <sighs> How about Jane Fonda, man? Jane Fonda is uh, one of our heroes. Last two or three years. Mary worked with her, what, about three or four years? Three years ago? But she's one of those people that kind of changed my life. I think it, when I was about to turn 70, I thought, oh, I better slow down and take, you know, that shift into neutral, see where I am. And Mary met and became great friends with Jane. And it was like, I, she has her foot on the gas pedal. You know, she is just nonstop. She would work 12 hour days. Then on a weekend, she'd rent a bus and take 50 women up to Sacramento to lobby for. Uh, service industry people's allowing them to keep their tips. You know, she's just nonstop. Yeah, anyway, because I one think of my heroes. That sort of keeps people going. Is the uh, you know like working for something bigger? You know, like working, yeah. having a having a real purpose. Having, I mean, anyone that I've met who's you know well into their eighties, who's still very vibrant, they still kind of have a purpose, and they still you know. Yeah. Mel Brooks was a, like Mel, I think Mel still went into the office every day, even if he's not, well, not now maybe, but at least even as recently as a couple of years ago, he's probably like 94, you know, it's that yeah. constant curiosity, that constant drive, you know, to accomplish things. I mean, you don't, it's funny that you said when you like, there's just such an antiquated idea about, you know, oh, I'm 70. Like maybe our, maybe your parents would have thought that, you know, yeah. but that didn't have, yeah. that doesn't have to be how it is. But there is this sort of societal um, agreement toward diminishment. 
And if you don't do the diminishment thing, there's something almost unseemly about it, you know, for some people. (laughs) It's like, wait, go into your garden. Go in your garden and stay there. Give me the damn baton. Yeah. And um, so, but, but Jane didn't get that memo and, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know that I did either. And it feels like, it feels like you're supposed to keep scaring yourself because it's right. like when, when your kids are, are little, you say, you can do anything when they say, I can't, I can't play the piano. It's like, yes, you can do anything you put your mind to. And then you reach some age and no one says that to you anymore. <laughs> it's thought of that. You know, well, when's the last time anybody said that to you? you yeah, know? Exactly. So you, yeah. So you have to say, you have to say it to yourself. You do, or you won't, you know, you will agree to the diminishment very subtly, quietly, and without realizing it, you will have agreed to it. Oh and it's God. like, what about that? That's so messed up. Well, think about it. Think about it. I think about do that all the time. The, yeah. yeah. It's like you, you can do whatever you want up until a certain point and then don't do a lot of stuff. Then just, just shut <laughs> up and stay home, you know? Yeah. But as performers, though, I feel like performers are given more leeway with that. Sure. Degree because you, you people play all sorts of characters yeah, but creativity is kind of age. Maybe, but I, I started writing music at age 54. And believe me, not everybody was real cheerful about that concept. It was either like, oh, poor thing. That's so sad. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Or um, why would you do that? You already have a successful career. Like, like yeah. Do, limit yourself, damn yeah. it! Don't don't and, don't feel joy or be challenged in any way. Just <laughs> put yourself in the box that I see you in. Like that's that's such a but. And most people probably would listen to that. But you, it's good that you didn't. Uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't. That's and and listen. There were lots of m- moments. I mean, Todd remembers a day when I came back to the hotel in Nashville and sobbed because I had been I had made such a a fool of myself in a in a writing situation with two great writers and I contributed nothing. And and I was totally filled with self-doubt. And why did I think for a minute I could do this crazy thing? And then I woke up the next morning and um part of my language, but this I was like, I'm gonna fucking write a song today if it fucking kills me. And and um and I did, you know, and and part of it part of it was just staring down into that abyss of being a beginner at something mm-hmm. and, and being humble about it and knowing that you had to grow and and even now when I I write music, I, I started doing that in two thousand seven and so it's my 13th year of doing it, but I'm usually uh, writing with like 25 year olds and I'm way behind them, you know, but, the, but what they like about me is like one of them said recently to someone, they said, God, I love writing with Mary. She's so emotionally mature. And I'm like, 
I'm just, I'm just mature. I'm just like, I'm mature in every way a person can be mature. I'm too mature. But, but that, that is like, you know, I do bring something to it. And then, and then you have to be humble because you're still learning and you might be behind them in this, in this, on this road, you know? But that's and okay. Like I, I saw someone. Super okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Yeah, I mean, I saw someone, someone said something that I really liked that was something about, like, um... I don't know. It but it had to do with basically like if if you're striving for perfection, you're gonna fail. But if you strive for the process, you know, you you're gonna succeed because that's the reward is the process. Yeah. And yeah. the the messed up thing about life is that you have to have uncomfortable moments to grow. And uncomfortable moments suck, you know, like what <laughs> yeah, you experienced yeah. in Nashville. But yeah, if you hadn't had that, then you wouldn't have learned from it. You know, like, but someone else could have taken that and been like, well, I'm never doing this again because I never want to right. feel that again. But something right. about you, I don't know. What is it about you that that lit a fire that was like, that was humiliating and I have to embrace that? This sounds, I, I've often thought that, uh, you know, when people talk about success or uh, that a large part of being successful is being willing to be successful because you have to get rid of so much of your ego, so much of your need to be right. You have to, you have to be willing to get rid of a lot of your stuff Mm -hmm. to be successful. I think, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it will, those ego decisions really do get in the way. Like they really by and large are not helpful. No. (laughs) So to a degree, feel like you kind of probably need a little bit of ego otherwise you might never think that you could achieve anything but too much is like yeah. oh i mean in in your in your careers you've probably seen so many amazing performers where you're like ah shit they almost had it and then it just ah oh, i wish i could have helped them you know but it's, yeah. but it's it's the trap and that is what you both somehow have survived with all the success and awards and all the things that would have trapped so many other people it's listen, I'm I'm not saying that science should take apart your brains and study them, but I do think that there is something <laughs> magical. And maybe it's the effect you have on each other, but there's something magical about you. Because all I've ever heard about both of you is like, oh my God, they're the nicest, the sweetest, the most unaffected. And there there's really something magical about that because 
this business is it's so easy to to not be those things we we hear that a lot but i hear uh, also uh with a mixture of dangerous sexuality. <laughs> Why is he laughing? Kindness. Um, yeah, the smolder and kindness. Yeah. He, he had such a cool upbringing. I did. Yeah, he really did. He had, for an American, he had as exotic a childhood as you could possibly have shall i say or yeah, yeah. I mean, his his dad was an archaeologist uh, and director of the museum of northern arizona and ted grew up riding bareback across the desert with his hopi and navajo friends wow. and and his two best friends one was hopi and one was navajo and his dad wouldn't let him wear, use his saddle because he was afraid if if somehow he might get dragged if you caught your you know so so they had to ride bareback that was a rule and they would leave early in the morning and come back at dinner time and that was his childhood and 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 then we'd go on weekends up to his father's farm that was right underneath the hopi mesas second mesa and the hopi had lived in the same area for 800 years so they never they never went to war with the united states so they never got moved so they're living in in the same uh adobe like buildings around this plaza and they're dancing to their to their kachinas to their dog to their gods the same way they have for centuries and we would be around that then we'd go down and be an acolyte at the episcopal church on sunday you know I got to be exposed to so many different ways to relate spiritually that it all seemed natural and normal. That was a real gift for me, I think. Uh, my parents gave me that. Yeah, and you probably it probably also gave you the confidence that that nothing is nothing means everything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when you yeah. when you have that much reverence for the world and you see the world as that kind of a place. Then it's probably like, oh yeah, acting, sure, great, yeah, okay, fine. You know, I mean, it. it I, I think the danger is coming into this business and thinking it's the most important thing in the world, and it's like it's fun and it's great and we love it, but there are bigger things, <laughs> yeah. you know. And and it there is a, um, you know, there is a loneliness that can occur. I wouldn't say. Uh, I think in finding each other, we don't experience this as much. But when you when you're successful in this business, part of the deal that comes with it is people kind of think you're more amazing uh, than you are. That you then you know they think you're you know more special than or or they think you're or special. Yeah, or or. Or they, yeah, or they want to resent and hate you. It's sort of one or the other. And part of what you have to do as a parent who cares about your kids growing up in a real way, and then also just being authentic with your partner, and then also for yourself, is to constantly know what what of that to listen to, and what of that to just let to now, and. I think, I don't know why we had the same sort of kind of 
language regarding fame or success. Mm -hmm. But when we met each other, it was like meeting, you know, you're split apart, you're a person that that saw all this stuff in a very similar way to the way you did. And, and that was really huge for me because there's a, as, as close as I always felt to my family in Arkansas, and I still do, when I first started making movies and I would go home, I would feel so like, how do I bridge this success thing with my old life in Arkansas? How do I, how do I cause people there to see me as a holistic person and not just their, their projection of what it is to be famous? Because that's the other thing you are carrying people's idea. <laughs> I remember coming out of a theater one time with Malcolm in New York and he he'd gone to get our little rental car and we were we'd rented a house. I was doing a movie with Woody Allen and I I we had um rented a house in upstate New York and and he'd gone and gotten this crappy little red car <laughs> that we had rented. And and I remember this autograph guy was there collecting autographs and I came out and and I signed the autograph and then I started to get in the car and he said wait that's your car and I go, <laughs> and I go mad, right? he was so angry his face got like purple and he goes you're not you shouldn't be in that car you shouldn't be driving around in that car and it was like well, I, truthfully, I hadn't even noticed it. You know, I like paid zero attention. I'm sort of car clueless, but uh, I certainly hadn't noticed anything about that rental car. And he was so mad that his we idea, uh, I wasn't living up to his idea of fame. <laughs> and, um, and I just rem always remembered that moment and thought, Man, you're gonna have to figure this one out for yourself because you cannot be, you know, fulfilling everybody's ideas of what it's supposed to be. No, and the crazy thing is with social media, like that used to just be the realm of, you know, like act like the you know, like just a sliver of culture. And now that's everyone. It's like everyone right. this has this like sort of weird fake idea about who they should be or what they should be doing and how they should be presenting. And so it it is it, it's it's now kind of a, a societal thing, and again, maybe this whole experience will give people some some proper perspective. Do you but, read all your stuff uh, on social media? Or I mean, I've been I, I've been online. You know, I, I've 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 been an, an internet guy since 1993, and I felt like I kept having to learn over and over again over the last you know. 27 years don't read comments don't read comments don't read comments i i appreciate parts of it i think social media can be what you want it to be i follow a lot of artists and musicians and people that i like but i feel like i don't take it as seriously as i used to and i think most people are kind of i, I think I know you're are right. kind of getting hip to that too i think i would be overwhelmed i'm not on i mean i'm on social media but I'm not, if you know what I mean. I'm not reading it. I'm not, if I need to post something for a show, um, I will do it with the help of, you know, someone guiding me through it. So I'm not really on social media. Yeah, you're fine. You know, you, you could read a thousand really great comments saying, oh, Ted, you're the best. You're, and then one person will say one shitty thing. And then, 
just as a person, you're like, what did I, why would someone say, yeah. you know, like it, even if it takes five minutes of your emotional energy, that's five minutes too much, you know, like it just, yeah. I just don't think it matters as much. It's a great way to connect. I think we're so lucky that we live in an era where when we're all isolated, we can still connect with people. Yeah. And I think it means a lot. I just think the danger is that thinking that it means everything is, it, it yeah. I don't think it means everything. I think it means a lot, but I don't think it, I don't think it means, that. I think there's a, it all came about so fast. No one questioned like, should we be doing this? Is this healthy for our minds? And retrospectively, I think some parts of social media will look back at like asbestos, like fuck people lived around that. Yeah. We didn't know, you know? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and so I think that the next wave of it will be, you know, how do we live with it healthily? Like how do we have healthy self images? How do we make sure that our values aren't distorted and you know, the kids aren't seeing bad versions of people and fake versions of things. So yeah, I don't know. So I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm less than I used to be where I really used to obsess over it. Um, before we wrap this up, first of all, I adore both of you. Um, Very sweet thank talking you. to you. This oh has been God. really lovely. Oh, I really appreciate it. I, I really, I met you once really briefly at some awards show. And even in just the 10 seconds that I don't remember who you were sitting with that I knew, but uh, you were just so, there's just a genuine warmth and a friendliness. And you really do seem to like, you really do seem interested in the world and people. And that is, that's really lovely. So thank you for making this wonderful for me. Um, what are you, what, what's besides the kind of time that you're spending together and putting chocolate chips and everything, what, what are you, <laughs> you know, what is your advice to people for like finding joy? How are you, how are you seeking out joy and what makes you joyful right now in a time that could be so easy to be overwhelmed by chaos and negativity and toxicity? Well, it's, it's not, I mean, we're not batting a thousand or whatever, you know, it's a, I do succumb to anger when I see something that's happening in the world that shouldn't be, and that it's stupid and it's, and all of that. But I think we almost approached it with a, well, we've always approached life with the discipline of, Hey, we'll we'll take uh, let's do let's do ninety two percent joy, mm-hmm. and we'll do eight percent of the the anguish and the da da da. But let's let's keep the average real high on joy. And I think we started doing this here. I mean, we when and I don't think it was even a discipline. Actually, sorry, I'm rambling. But when you take away all the trappings. And it's just just going to be you and me, <laughs> you know. When it's just the two of you, you start to really it's look at each other. of our favorite joke, but yeah, I mean, and and you know, um, we're we're very blessed. I've I've been both, you know, poor and wealthy in my life. I've been both of those things, and and what we do have, we worked for, and. And uh, we try to share and but but we also recognize that that uh, especially in watching what's happening in the world right now, that part of our job is to make sure and try to do something whenever we can for people. Um, And um, and that everything has to be seen through this amazing privilege 
view, which which I have felt for years and, and especially feel in this moment that I'm not putting gear on and going to a hospital and worrying about my kids. I mean, I just, my heart breaks for all of them and I can't imagine um, how hard this time is. I mean, we, we were freaked out in the beginning just in looking after ourselves because of our advanced age and, you know, worrying, like they kept saying, everybody above, um, if you're above 60, if you're above 60 and we're like, those damn, poor people, damn, those poor people. <laughs> 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 um, but, um, you know, the, the thing is, if you are blessed to be drawing a breath, which which unfortunately so so many people in this world recently have have passed, and but if you are blessed to be drawing a breath, part of your job is to seek joy. I do believe wherever you look at those nurses and doctors and how they do, they're dancing and they're cheering when somebody leaves and stuff, and they're even in the midst of such extreme sorrow and a war zone they're they're looking for beauty and that i find that incredibly moving and i hope i hope that when they look back on this time and their kids and their grandkids talk to them about it i hope of all the things they're proud of that that constant seeking of beauty and giving somebody a little joy is what one of the things they're proudest of. Um, That's so well said. It's just, it's such, it's a big moment in time. You know, it's a big moment. In in some ways, it is, it is, um, it's kind of a privilege to be here for this, this moment in time that the world paused, you know? And uh, I, I think there's so much to be gained from it. And, amidst all the the loss. I think I think that, you know, not that we're not gonna live for a long time and all of that, but to at 72 be able to take this two, three months and be literally just the two of us, like putting your head under the covers and whispering like kids, is a, a, a real gift. It will be one of the gifts in my life. And I know that's crazy to say because of all the suffering, but it it is a gift. I think this virus in some ways. And that, and that sort of seeking of joy is what pulls you out of the dark moments and pulls you out of the self-pity moments. And the, is it, is it as conscious as going, wait a minute, I have to remember all the things we have yeah. and the, and that I'm grateful for this. And it like, is, is it really just that kind of like gratitude elevation that pulls you out of the yeah. Yeah. And there's not too many pity parties in this house. They're not really without someone smacking you. Yeah, we we like keep each other real about really. Oh, so you're gonna be feel sorry for yourself right now. Uh. <laughs> or at or what was the line um uh about being that I said to you one time? Well, I said he was saying oh. he was worried about something. Now we'll tell you this because we have this lovely relationship yes. over the last hour. So, yes, but it can be mistook. But it made us laugh very hard. No, and he was worried about some terrible thing that was going to transpire. And I said, Ted, when has life ever disappointed Ted Dance? <laughs> and so, and we laughed. And- we so howled with laughter. So you know, it's a horrible thing to if, say. If we were not, true. if we were not grateful, that would be pretty simple. 
ourselves. So. Yeah, you know what? When you look at the silhouette of our life, if we weren't running around celebrating how lucky and blessed and and being joyful, then we should be, you know, ashamed. Ashamed. Hey, but, you're you're really uh, speaking of a joy. You're really fun to talk to. Yeah, Thank so you. Really to you. Oh my gosh, I really appreciate that. I mean, I. You know, I'm just such fans of both of you, not just professionally, but also as people. And I always say, like, when you look at someone's career and you see that they've worked on great thing after great thing after great thing after great thing after great thing. Yes, a lot of that has to do with talent and and earning a place in the business. But if people aren't nice, there is a certain point where people are going to stop asking you to work. You know, True. because it's like, yeah, they're too much trouble. And so when, when I look at both of your careers, it's, it's easy to just look at your resume and go, they're probably really nice because <laughs> otherwise, you know, it's like, like at a certain point, people like a job ends and it's, you know, there's no guarantee you're going to get another one. But if you're fun and easy to work with, people go, you know what? Bring in Mary, bring you in Ted. They're great. So <laughs> funny. Always so fun much. to have around. Yeah. yeah, they're fun to have around because you're, I know you're working on, did you shoot up, did, do you know if they, if got, you did the pilot Tina Fey and, Car, and Robert Carlock? Right. Was that just a pilot or a series? No, it was a series. Uh, you know, I, we're going to do 13. <laughs> One wonders, but the plan is to do 13. And we've done... Three and a half? Three and a half. We were, uh, we were block, we were block shoot, you know, we were doing oh, two gotcha. episodes in a block. And so we did, uh, we've done three and a half. Of them. It's very funny. It, I really hope uh, that it. I know, get to play the mayor of LA. Yeah, it's really. <laughs> oh, it'll something. it'll it'll come back. It'll all yeah. like it'll it will all settle back. But even yeah. so, like um, the good place was another like magical moment in time. Uh, yeah. Even for just its, you know, it's. I mean, not short. It was still, you know, you still was it five seasons? Uh, four seasons, and four then seasons. Mike Schur decided he had told the story he wanted to tell, and he pulled the plug on. Very rare in American television I know. for someone to, to not fired, to get fired by for thirteen ball. more years. Uh, yeah. Curb, I know you did Curb again. Um, you, uh, Oceana is the um, the Ocean Conservation Organization, uh, and yeah. Mary Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, and then also the music that you're writing. Is is your music? Is there any like where can people hear your music right now? Um, well, recently, if you um, if you watch the film, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. The film Wild Rose, the yeah. last song in the movie is um, I song a song I wrote with two other Nashville writers, and um, it's spectacular. And truly, truly, we were, don't listen. It's we were honored to win the Critics' Choice Award, tying with Sir Elton John and Bernie Chilton. Oh so my that gosh! Was, that was kind of a really nice moment in my life, and um, and Zoe's playlist. Um, I work with so many great talents on that show, and it's really, it's really such I a brave, uh, a, a brave you know, wonderful show that is um, all of us. Well, some of them aren't outside their comfort zone. I'm way outside my comfort zone, but I'm really enjoying it and loving it. And then, yeah, I did a movie called The Happiest Season that we just finished right before everything stopped. Um, That's a, um, a movie that comes out for Christmas. And you also have to, if this relationship blossoms, 
Uh, you'll also have to let us know when you do stand up. Yeah, that, 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 that would, be, would be amazing. Oh my God, I'd love to. That, that is one of those things where it's like, I had dates all through the summer and then those got pushed to the fall. And now I was saying to my manager, like, I don't even, I'm not confident that September is yeah. even time that people. I know. Even, yeah. I don't know when stand up or concerts or anything are going to be a thing that we'll get to do again. But uh, well, we'll be there. Well, I appreciate that. Thank Invite you. Invite us. Yeah, for oh, sure. I will. I will. We'll that'd, you, be, that'd be we'll cool. We'll give you a big hug. No, we won't give you a hug. We'll <laughs> an air hug. We'll air do hug. hug. Hey, we, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. I really hope you stay safe and healthy. And you too. And much love to your family and uh, thank you. your doggy. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. really nice really, to see you. Thank you. You're, you're pretty special. Thank you man. so much really for are. allowing us to do it. Thank yeah. you. Oh, I love it. Thank you. Have a great Tell Arthur I said hi. All right. Okay, wait, let me show. show. Oh, wait, he's asleep. He's asleep. He's, he's a little Aussie. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Good luck with your puppy. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.